0: And so tonight, what I want to talk about more specifically is the danger of ignoring wisdom's call. The danger of ignoring wisdom's call. God uh, offers His wisdom, and there is danger if you uh, ignore uh, His call. You know, uh, you've, as, as a parent, you've all had the experience of, of uh, your child maybe running away from you, and you call for them. Maybe because they're headed for for danger. Maybe they're running into a parking lot or something and you call for them. And they need to heed your voice because they are headed for danger. And we need to heed uh, God's wisdom. uh, Because if we do not, we are headed for danger. And we will see this clearly tonight. So turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1. It's kind of right in the middle of your Bible. Right there after Psalms. Proverbs chapter 1. If you feel like you're a little behind already, you can uh, go uh, to our website and click on Media, then click on Wednesday Nights, and you can listen to last week's uh, study, uh, which was Introduction to the Book of Proverbs. That'll help you out a lot to understand the genre and all that's going on here. But let me just kind of catch up to speed a little bit with what we talked about last week. We uh, offered you a summary of the Book of Proverbs, and here is our summary statement. say, wait, what's the Book of Proverbs about someone... Comes to me and says, "What's Proverbs about?" Here's what you can tell them: Proverbs uh, is this. We need to acquire and apply God's wisdom in our daily lives to experience God's blessings and avoid destructive consequences. That's what Proverbs is about. It's a reminder that we need to acquire and apply God's wisdom. You need to get it, and you need to live it. They're, and both of those are important. And we'll talk a lot about that as we work our way through the book of Proverbs. You got to get it first, then you got to live it out. Some people. Get it, but don't apply it. And some people never get it. Get it? All right. So we need to acquire and apply God's wisdom in our daily lives to experience God's blessings and avoid destructive consequences. The goal of the book, as stated there in verse uh, 2, is to impart wisdom for the glory of God. Uh, the, the purpose of this God-inspired book is that we might glean his wisdom so we can live a life that honors him, to impart Wisdom for the glory of God. You say, wait, what is wisdom? Because there's a lot about wisdom in this book, and we have a working definition of wisdom. I shared this with you last week, but let me give this working definition because we're going to talk a lot, talk a lot about wisdom tonight. Wisdom is insight into life revealed by God that should be acquired and acted upon. Wisdom is insight into life revealed by God, that's so where it comes from, that should be acquired and acted upon. That's what wisdom is, insight into life that comes from God Himself. Now, let's look. Last week we covered chapter one, verses one through seven. This week we're going to cover verses eight through the end of the chapter, eight through uh, uh, thirty-three. So we got a lot of ground to cover tonight, but we'll go through it quickly. And really, what uh, this section entails, it's it's a a father's advice for his son. Look what it says there in verse eight: "Hear, my son, your father's instruction; do not forsake your mother's teaching." So. Uh, this passage is well-suited for young people uh, to walk in wisdom. It's a call for young people to walk in uh, wisdom. And so I want to give you three, three aspects of what it means for someone to walk in wisdom. You can follow along there with me in your notes. Number one, young people that want to walk in wisdom need to go to school. Need to go to school. That's number one. Now, lest you think I'm talking about, uh, a, a, you know, an elementary school or a primary school or a college or high school or middle school, that's not what I'm talking about at all. As a matter of fact, look there under your first uh, point: the school of wisdom is the family. The school of wisdom is the family. God has ordained that the family be the the incubator, if you will, for children to grow in wisdom. Well, how do we know that? Because look what he says there in verse eight. Hear my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. And so children learn wisdom in the school of family. That's where God's wisdom is is best passed on to next generations. That's the the focus of the family, if you will. The school of wisdom is the family. If your kids are going to Glean godly wisdom, acquire it and apply it. That's going to be learned and lived out in the context of family. And if they don't get it in the context of family, they're just not going to get it. Where else are they going to get it? Where else are they going to get God's wisdom uh, acquired and applied? The church comes alongside the family to help the family point their children in the right direction. Um, but the church isn't with your child on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? You're, you're with your child, and God's given parents the primary responsibility to help your children acquire wisdom and apply it to life situations. Where do life situations happen? Life situations happen out there in, in family. And so that's the school for, uh, family, uh, for wisdom. The school of wisdom is the family. Now, uh, related to that is this. Fathers and mothers have key roles. Fathers and mothers have key roles in this process. He says there in verse 8, Hear my son, your father's instruction. And do not forsake your mother's teaching. The role of the father and the role of the mother are both uh, mentioned here. And this is uh, important. Fathers and mothers have key roles. And look what it says about the father. Hear my son, your father's instruction. The word instruction there in the Hebrew is the word for discipline or training. He's saying here to his son, Your father will train you in how to live the right way. I'm going to, if you get out of line, I'm going to discipline you to get you back in line. I'm going to teach you what it means to go in the right direction. It's going to be a a day in, day out, constant training of your life. That's the the father's stated role here. But then it says, do not forsake your mother's teaching. Now that word teaching is an interesting word. It's the word Torah. It's the term given to the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's called Torah or the law. That's what that word means. And so when it says, do not forsake your mother's Torah, her teaching, it speaks of of instruction from God's word. Do not not ignore when your mother is teaching you uh, the law, teaching you the things of God, teaching you revelation from God. And so what we glean from this is that parents are to be a team, mother and father are to be a team to make sure that both of these things are happening—that that your children are being trained, disciplined to go in the right direction, and they're being taught the word of God. Those things go hand in hand. It's, it's what the Bible says over in in Ephesians chapter six. It says, uh, "It says that parents are to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, the 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 training and instruction of the Lord." And so, fathers and mothers have key roles. You you you. Can speak into your children, uh, t- children's lives about wisdom from different perspectives. A, a mom has a different p- perspective than a dad, and you can speak into your children's lives. and And here's kind of a an obvious question: uh, What about single parents? What about a situation where there's where there's a single mom or single dad, and the other spouse is not around? Well, I think in that situation, you you pray. You pray and ask for God's help and God's guidance and God's wisdom and, and you trust that God will give you what you need to get to your kids what they need and then you also utilize the ministries of the church, that you let the church come along beside you and help you to point your kids in the right direction. Uh, but that's a reality and, and we need to know that God will help us in those situations. Let me give you this, let me give you this quote. It comes from uh, Bruce Waltke, an Old Testament scholar. He says, when the moral fiber of a nation is not formed by this sort of catechesis, he means their uh, question-answer sort of of teaching, what he means is the teaching grounded in God's revelation. When the moral fiber of a nation is not formed by this uh, grounding in God's revelation, society unravels and anarchy ensues. In other words, when you don't have moms and dads training training and teaching, training and teaching, training and teaching, uh, so their kids can acquire wisdom and apply wisdom, then the basic unit of society begins to unravel, and the next thing that 's going to happen is society itself will unravel, which is exactly what you see happening in America today. Have you noticed the whole concept of families under attack and, and the the concept of families under attack, and the the fam- the unit the family unit is under attack and so, as we see us walking away from From a focus on the family, society unravels. That's how it always works. I mean, look at the Roman Empire. When they walked away from moral principles, things began to unravel. And that's exactly what's happening in our nation. And so, the father here says to his his son, Listen, son, you're going to learn wisdom, God's wisdom, in the context of family. So listen to your father's instruction, his training. Listen to your mother's uh, teaching. So... The school of wisdom is, 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 is run by fathers and mothers. They both have key roles. Now next, children have a role in this. They're called to submit. He says in verse 8, Hear my son, your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. So, the, the, so the, the child has a role here. They're to hear the instruction. They're to not forsake teaching. They're to receive. That's the opposite of forsake is to receive or to embrace. They're to embrace the teaching. They're to, to listen and obediently apply it and live it out and see how wisdom really does make a difference in their lives. So the Lord gives children some responsibility. It's interesting to note that one of the Ten Commandments focuses on children honoring their father and mother because the Lord knows that that the foundation of the family is contingent upon children Recognizing the authority of their parents and responding to that authority. And so so children are called to submit. And and then third, as we think about the the family unit being the incubator or the school of wisdom, there's a promise of reward. There's a promise of reward. Look what the writer of Proverbs here says, Solomon, verse 9. He mentions the father's instruction, the mother's teaching. He says, Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head. And ornaments about your neck. The graceful wreath there speaks of garland that was woven into a crown that someone would put on their head when they won athletic competition. They would put this on as a as the victor's wreath, if you will. The the pendant around the neck is is it would be similar to a medal in the Olympics, you know, gold or silver or bronze medal. And it was also something that would go to the victor. And so here's what Solomon's saying. He's saying, if you will if you'll heed your father's instruction and listen to your mother's teaching, you'll win in life. You'll experience victory. You'll get the, the, the wreath on your head, the pinning around your neck, and those are metaphorical ways to say if you want to win in life, you've got to listen to wisdom that comes from God through your family unit, through your parents. So children are called to submit, and, 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 and there's a promise of reward when children do submit to their parents' teaching. So when this is all happening, when when mom and dad are working hard to pass on God's wisdom and the children are open and obedient and honoring their parents and receiving God's wisdom and they're living it out, then you start to see a healthy family unit and you start to see children winning at life, succeeding in life. And by that I mean uh, honoring God with their life, honoring the Lord with the way that they lived. And so number one, Young people that want to walk in wisdom need to go to school, all right? And and the school of wisdom happens in the context of the family. Number two, young people that want to walk in wisdom need to resist the influence of the ungodly. This is big. Young people that want to walk in wisdom need to resist the influence of the ungodly. So look what he says there in verse 10. My son... If sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, Come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like sheol, even whole, as they go down to the pit. Now, the scriptures here take a, an interesting turn. The, the father's saying, Be wise, listen to your father's training, listen to your mother's instruction. And then he basically says, Don't join a gang. Right I mean, that's pretty extreme. Don't hang out with folks that are trying to shed innocent blood. You're thinking, well, man, that's pretty extreme. I, you know, uh, my children don't, don't, aren't tempted to hang out with a gang or that's never been a reality uh, in my family context. But I want you to see there's something bigger going on here than, than just that. He's not just saying, don't join a gang. He's using violent men as an illustration of people driven by fleshly desires. Let me say it again, he's using violent men as an illustration one of many, of people being driven by the flesh. Because look what he says in verse 19. Verse 19 he says, So are the ways of everyone who gains by violence. It takes away the life of its possessors. So he's talking about everyone who's driven by the flesh to try to manipulate life to get what they want. That's what he's talking about here. It's not just talking about a gang. He's talking about those who are ungodly, those who are driven by their sin nature and who have no desire to submit to the wisdom of uh, God. I like what Ray Ortland writes here. He writes, the key to this human profile is anyone who gets ahead by his own devices. Anyone who is out for number one. They are the sinners of whom we must be aware. They are out there. You will encounter them. So he's saying this passage that we're going about to study um, characterizes those who are, who are out for their own uh, selves. Out for number one. And these are the folks that are going to try to lead our children astray. And so we're talking about ungodly folks here. So we're, we're, we need to help our children understand they need to resist the influence of the ungodly. Let me tell you three things about the ungodly. All right? Three things about the ungodly. Number one, ungodly people are persuasive. Ungodly people, people that don't have the Lord on their agenda, don't have the Lord's word on their agenda, have no interest in the things of God, these folks are very, very persuasive. Look what it says in verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, notice here the, the luring going on. If they, if they entice you, what it says in verse 11, if they say, come with us, come with us. So notice here the uh, the, the, the persuasion going on. Uh, in, in modern times, we call this peer pressure, right? That, that we, we know that, uh, our children are going to experience pressure uh persuasion from ungodly folks to try to get them to go in the wrong direction and ungodly people are persuasive let me say it like this the world is very good at getting across across its message very good very good at 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 selling our kids uh, on the uh, on the idea that money and things and sex and all of this satisfies. That's where life is found. And the world's very good at getting that message across. And, and, and our children will be bombarded with very persuasive messages. Very persuasive messages. I mean, I'm persuaded by the messages of the world. Have you, have you found yourself being persuaded by the messages of the world? Um, just recently, um, I was watching a commercial for um, what was it? It was a it was a food product. I can't. It was fast food, and I can't remember what it was, but it looked so delicious. And you know, I know that stuff's not good for you, and you, you don't need to eat a lot of that stuff. And I try to, you know, tr- I, I try to watch what I eat. And, but I watched commercial, and where was I? And the next day, I forget what it was, but I went and got it. All right, I was persuaded, and and we're all prone. I can't remember what it was. We're all prone. Uh, to be, oh, I know what it was. It was milkshakes at Sonic. That's what it was. I saw a milkshake commercial at Sonic, and I went by Sonic and got a milkshake. So, so yeah, so so we're all, we're all prone to persuasion and, and and stopping by, you know, the dip or Sonic and, and, and getting that stuff. So that's, ungodly people are persuasive. Secondly, ungodly people are worldly. Ungodly people are worldly. Look what it says in verse 11. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood, let us ambush the innocent without cause, let us swallow them alive like sheol even whole. As those who go down to the pit, we will find all kinds of precious wealth. We will fill our houses with spoil. Throw in your lot with us, we shall all have one uh, purse. So they're saying here, if you come with us, we'll, get some, we'll, we'll, we'll take advantage of some folks, we'll get some, some spoil, we'll get some goods, and we'll share it with you. We'll all come out of this thing richer. We'll have more than we had before. And so there's worldliness here. And ungodly people are worldly. Now there are three parts to this worldliness. First of all, they promise, ungodly promise excitement. Look at verse 11. Come with us. Let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without cause. So we're going to do something exciting. It's going to get your adrenaline charged. Come with us. We promise you excitement. Uh, step away from the mundane. If you hang with us, you'll experience a, a, a charge in life. You will be excited by life. They, the, the ungodly promise excitement. And they try to portray godly living as boring. And godly living as, as a big yawner. But their way as exciting. And where you find Life, which is a big lie. Also, they promise satisfaction from material things. Verse 13, we will find all kinds of precious wealth. We will fill our houses with spoil. So they're saying, we're going to get more stuff, and it's going to be great, and you're going to be satisfied by that. Ungodly folks love to persuade with the, the, the idea that we will be satisfied if we just get more stuff. Listen to me. The sooner we realize that stuff doesn't satisfy, the better off we'll be. And the sooner we teach our kids that lesson, the better off they will be. It doesn't matter how much you acquire in this life, stuff never satisfies. Okay? It never satisfies. That's not how God made us. He made us with a God-sized hole in our heart that only God can fill up. And when God fills up that hole, that's when you find satisfaction. But as long as you're trying to fill up that hole in your heart with stuff you're always going to be wanting for more but ungodly folks say come with us you'll get more spoil you get some some goods you you, you'll you'll be satisfied with material things and in third worldly people promise a place to belong Now this is really really big look what the bible says there in verse 14 throw in your lot with us we shall have one purse in other words you're on the team. You come with us, we'll share with our life with you, we'll share our stuff with you. You are on the team. In other words, they're on offering a place to belong, which is very very appealing to everybody. Because listen to me, everybody wants to belong. Everybody no one wants to be on the outside looking in. Everyone wants to have a group around them that they belong to. Someone that knows them and accepts them and will live life with them. And if we don't give our kids a godly place to belong, listen to me, they will find an ungodly place to belong. But they're going to belong somewhere. We're all driven by that need to belong. Uh, John Avent was our revival speaker in february and he told a story about a ministry that his church was running down in west monroe louisiana when he's pastoring that church and they were having some success uh, leading gang members to christ they were seeing some folks come out of the gang life and 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 get saved and he had an interesting conversation with one of these gang members uh that was just talking openly and candidly with him. And, and he asked him how he was doing. How are you doing? How are you doing in the Christian life? You know, you're a Christian now. You're, you're out of that life. How are you doing? And the gang member said this. He said, he said I'm lonely. He said, I miss, I, I miss my friends. I, I, I miss my gang. He said, we did some stuff that was bad. I know it was wrong, but we were a family. And he said, I, I miss them. And, and John Amon's point was this gangs sometimes do a better job at community than the church does. Right? In terms of a place to belong, people feel like they're a part of something. Sometimes in church we can get so cliquish and to ourselves and busy and here and there and there that we can have folks that are involved in life of the church that feel kind of like they're on the outside looking in. And a gang does a lot better job at making everybody feel like they're a part. It's ungodly, it's wrong, it's, it's, it's sinful, it's destructive, but they're giving folks a place to belong, right? And if we don't make our families places to belong, where, where our kids love being with their family, and we don't make our churches places to belong, our kids will find other places to belong, and they will be ungodly places that will destroy. And so, exactly, they'll start doing wrong things. So that's what they're saying here in Proverbs. They're saying, he, he's saying, you're going to have people call you, son. They're going to say, come with us. We'll share everything with you. We'll, we'll give you a place to belong and so uh, that's the the influence of the ungodly so ungodly people are persuasive they're worldly and third they're destructive look what it says in verse 17 it says indeed it is useless to spread the uh, baited net in the sight of any bird but they lie in wait for their own blood they Ambush their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who gains by violence. It takes away the life of its possessors. In other words, they think they're going to harm other folks, but their foolishness, their desire to harm others, is instantly is, is 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 at some point going to bite them. At some point, going to destroy their lives. It it will not pay. It will destroy them. their lifestyle, their worldliness, their their fleshly desire, their ungodliness will lead to destruction. Makes me think of. Proverbs 13, 20. I've quoted this verse so many times to so many people. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. The companion of fools will suffer harm. Ungodliness, listen to me, ungodliness always ends in destruction. It never turns out good. And that's what Solomon's saying here to his son. They're going to call, and they're going to be persuasive, and they're going to offer a place to belong, and it's going to sound exciting, and it's going to maybe offer material things, but it will destroy you. So know that when you hear the ungodly call. So young people have got to learn to resist the influence of the ungodly because it is coming. Uh, The the ungodly, the, the message of this world, the people of this world, will knock on the door of your children eventually. They're coming for your children. Because Satan is involved in all that, and Satan hates your kid. Right? Right? I mean, Satan hates your kid. He hates them. And so we got to prepare them for the call of the ungodly. Now, before I go on, let me just stop and say something here very quickly to make sure we're all on the same page. We're all ungodly. Unless we think, okay, we're better than these folks over here. We're all ungodly. We all need a Savior. Amen? I mean, we're all ungodly. We, we, we've all sinned against the glory of God. We all deserve hell We all deserve his wrath and punishment, but if we embrace Christ, our Lord and Savior, he saves us, washes all our sins away, gives us a relationship with God, and begins to change us. And so when we know Christ, our ungodliness has been forgiven, right? And now as we try to walk with Christ and and live for the glory of God, we've got to be aware that those who do not know the Lord will come and try to sway us and, and pull us in the wrong direction. And so we've got to learn to resist the influence of the ungodly, which leads to number three. How do you do that? How do you you resist the influence of the ungodly? we have got to heed wisdom's call. You've got to heed wisdom's call. The best defense is a good offense, all right? If you're listening to the right thing, you won't be listening to the wrong thing. Does that make sense? You've got to heed wisdom's call. Look what the Bible says there in verse 20. Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. And so this is a... A literary device, Solomon here is using a personification to get a point across about wisdom. He's personifying wisdom here. It's not the only time he'll do it. He'll do it a lot in chapter 8. But he's saying wisdom shouts in the street. Wisdom is calling for your life. Remember, he's talking to his son. And he's encouraging his son to heed wisdom's call. Let me make three comments about wisdom. First of all, wisdom is available for everyone. Wisdom is available for everyone. Look what it says in verse 20. Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her sayings. Notice what he's saying. Wisdom is there for those that are in the streets, those at the gates. Not just for those in academia, not those in ivory towers, but wisdom is for the common, ordinary person. And, and, and wisdom calls out to all the common ordinary folks, says, if you listen, you can acquire what you need and apply what you need to live a God-honoring life. Wisdom is available for everyone. So wisdom is not, is not a matter of academic prowess. I want you to hear me on that. Some of the wisest people I've ever been around were people that didn't have more than an elementary education. But they were wise biblically godly wi- biblically wise godly wisdom in their life and so we're not talking about academic stuff here we're talking about knowing what god says and applying it to your life and that's available to anybody that'll listen right anybody that wants it can have this wisdom so we need to understand that this is not for special folks not for spoke folks have been to seminary this is not for church staff members this is not for you know, the, 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 the academic elite, this is for anybody that wants it. We need to make our kids understand that. Wisdom is available for everyone. And then I want you to see that wisdom here asked a question. Wisdom has a question. That's the next blank. Wisdom's question. Look what the Bible says in verse 22. Here's the question. How long, O oh naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. Here's wisdom's question in a nutshell. Wisdom is saying this. Why would you continue to walk through life without God's wisdom? That's what what wisdom's saying there. Why would you continue to walk through life if you're naive, if you're a scoffer, if you're a fool? Why would you keep living like that when wisdom is available? Now let's talk about these, these three categories of folks here in verse 22. First of all, wisdom says, how long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? The naive are people who believe anything but examine nothing. You ever know someone that's naive, they believe everything, but they don't examine anything? Uh, Turn with me to chapter 14, Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs 14, verse 15, the naive, same word, believes everything, but the sensible man considers his steps. So someone that's naive is someone that doesn't have God's wisdom. They, they, anything they hear, they say, I believe that. And they don't test it. They don't, they don't examine it. They just believe it. And, and if you believe anything you hear, you're in trouble, <laughs> all right? You're in trouble. I'm telling you, you're hearing a lot of stuff every day that is absolutely untrue. I've got some family members. Listen to me. I've got some family members. If MSNBC says it, it's gospel truth. And I've got other family members. If Fox News says it, it's gospel truth. And I can tell you that you need to be careful with both of those. All right? None of those have a corner on the truth. The truth is found in the Word of God. And I found some, you hear folks on the the liberal side of things talking about the things of God, they don't make a bit of sense. You hear folks on the conservative side talking about the things of God, they don't make a bit of sense. There's guys listening on the radio and they start talking about spiritual things, I say, just stop talking. Stick with politics and fiscal matters. Stop talking about God because you'd make no sense. And if we think we're going to get wisdom from believing everything we hear on TV or in a in a periodical or on the internet, then 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 we are we are we are badly mistaken. And we don't want to live naive lives. Wisdom is saying here, crying out, "Will you stop being so naive? Stop believing everything you hear." The baseline for what is true is what God says. That's what you need to believe. That's what you need to respond to. That's what you need to live out. And so wisdom's question is Directed for the naive, those who are those people who believe anything but examine nothing. They're gullible and easily led astray. Alright, so wise people, look at me everyone, wise people are not gullible. Wise people test everything by the word. Got it? So test everything by the word. Amen. Secondly, this verse mentions scoffers, verse twenty two. How long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing. Who are scoffers? Scoffers think they know everything. (laughs) Look in chapter 21, verse 24 of Proverbs. Proverbs 21, verse 24. The Bible says, proud, haughty, scoffer are his names, who acts with insolent pride. So a scoffer is someone who has pride. Someone who you can't tell anything to. Someone who knows everything. Someone who is completely unteachable. Warren Wiersbe writes, the simple or the naive has a blank look on his face. The scorner or the scoffer wears a sneer. I know everything. You can't teach me anything. I know everything. I told you this last week, people that are unteachable, and there are a lot of them, even in the church, people that are unteachable are headed for disaster because no one knows everything. Can I get an amen? And we are in constant need to grow in grace and grow in wisdom and grow into the mind of Christ that we've been given so we can live out our faith. And so the the scoffers are these folks that think they know everything, uh, but they don't. And then third, back in Proverbs 122, wisdom mentions fools. Look what it says. How long ago, naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. Fools are people who are ignorant of truth because they're dull and stubborn. They're dull and stubborn. Their problem, Wearsby writes... Isn't a low IQ or poor education? Their problem is a lack of spiritual desire to seek and find God's wisdom. Fools enjoy their foolishness, but don't know how foolish they are like that. The outlook of fools is purely materialistic and humanistic. They hate knowledge and have no interest in things eternal. So a fool is someone who's ignorant and they don't care to learn anything. They don't want to know anything. They don't think they know everything. They just don't want to know anything. They're fools, and they live with that lack of information that is going to eventually destroy them. And so wisdom here is saying to the naive, to the scoffers, to the fools, how long will you continue to walk through life without God's wisdom? Why would you keep living like that? Why would you be a fool? Why would you be a scoffer? Why would you be naive when God offers wisdom, insight into life? That will show you how to live a life that honors him, a life that glorifies him. And so we see that we need to heed wisdom's call. Now, wisdom is available for everyone. Wisdom wisdom has a question. But third, wisdom makes some promises. I want you to see wisdom's promises for those that listen, those that heed. First of all, there's a promise of help. Look in verse 23. Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. If if you'll turn from your scoffing, if you turn from your foolishness, if you'll turn from your naivety, if you'll turn to me, I'll pour out my spirit on you. I'll help you to grow in wisdom. I'll, I'll make my words known to you. You'll learn what you need to learn so that you can go in the right direction. So Turn to me. Stop listening to the wrong voices and listen to the voice of wisdom. There's a promise of help here. And then there's a promise of protection. Look in verse 33. He who listens to me shall live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. In other words, if you'll listen to God's wisdom, if you'll acquire it and apply it, then there's a security in that. there's, 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 There's a protection from harm because foolish paths lead to destruction. If you get on the right path, you're led away from destruction. A promise of protection. A person that lives according to God's wisdom Sleeps well at night. They, they live securely. A promise of God's protection for those that heed his wisdom. But then third, there's a promise of destruction for those that do not heed. A promise of destruction. Look in verse 24. Because Now watch this. These are some of the harshest words in the Bible. This is shocking. Listen to what, what the Lord says here. This is wisdom personified, speaking on behalf of God. "...because I called and you refused. I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. And you neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes. When your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord." They would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof. So they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be satiated, uh, overwhelmed, uh, immersed with their own devices. For the waywardness of the naive will kill them. The complacency of fools will destroy them. Pretty striking language, isn't it? God says, if you ignore my wisdom and do your own thing, you better accept consequences. And then you're going to run to me and say, Help me, God, I'm 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 experiencing consequences. I'm gonna say, why didn't you listen to me on the front end? That's what he's saying there. He even says he'll laugh at the fool and the naive one that spurns his wisdom. So it's a it's a really serious deal. Listen to me. It's a really serious deal to blow God off. To to ignore God. It's a, it's a real serious deal to just say ah, uh, you know, not, that's not for me, that's not right now, I don't need that right now, I'll get to that later. It's a really serious deal, because if we don't live in wisdom, we will live in foolishness, and foolishness always destroys. So wisdom here, make some promises. If you listen to me, I'll help you, I'll protect you. If you don't listen to me, you will experience overwhelming consequences, and you will, you can't expect me to come to your rescue. You will reap what you sow. Wisdom's promise. So great words for a father to speak into his son's life. Now, how do we tie all this together? We've talked about the, the, the school of wisdom being the family. We've talked about the influence of the ungodly, the call of the ungodly. We've talked about the call of wisdom. How do we tie all that together? Our job as parents, grandparents, our job is to help our kids listen to the right voice. They're going to hear the voice of the ungodly, and they're going to have opportunity to hear the voice of God's wisdom. And we've got to help them turn their ear to the right voice. Does that make sense? That's our job. That happens in the context of the family. And so we talk about things. We we talk about life. We we apply God's word to different situations. If a situation comes up, we 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 discuss it and say, okay, here's what God says. Here's the wise thing to do, here's the unwise thing to do. And we help them to discern the different calls that are coming into their lives and so our job is to help them to resist the ungodly and to heed wisdom's call and wisdom comes from God comes from his word comes from his indwelling spirit so that's the the danger if you will of ignoring wisdom's call now next week in chapter 2 we're going to get a little bit more in depth into uh, what it means to grasp hold of of God's wisdom chapter 2 is a great chapter I love chapter 2 so I hope you'll be here for that and we get in chapter 3 as well so So good stuff coming up.